Injured in a car accident? It's about money. Your money. Your settlement. We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery? You pay no fees or costs. We strive to get you more at LawyerUp904.com. You know who it is. Oh! You know who it is. The prehistoric terrorist. Oh, my Lord. Have mercy. I pulled off the road by International Golf Parkway. But guess what? The Micewell House Coffee is always good to the last drop. The, the most proudest moment I seen was the explanation point when he, when he hit your boy and your boy just looked on the ground and they wanted to look up like, man, why he hit me so hard? The game almost over. Man, I've been so wide open with this construction work in Duval County until I ain't had time to even slow down. I want, I want the West Coast to understand one thing. Duval! Man, y'all get off of T-Law. You ain't got to give us no respect. We're going to make sure that everybody in America start playing. The TNT and everybody say, oh man, I know about that show there. So guess what? TNT is popping and there won't be no stopping. Bang, bang, bang. This boy got a hit. Ten Ten XL ninety two point five FM presents Jaguars Today with your host Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Jeff Lagerman, and E to the T. All right, good morning, everybody. E T. I think that's a little bit of a mix of the greatest hits, but mostly after the Jags played the Chargers the first time around, if I'm not mistaken. Is I believe that correct? so. I believe so. Because uh, Holiday was giving a shout out to the folks on the West Coast, so they uh, would recognize the twenty eight point beating that had been administered by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, how we doing on Unkwatch this week? Unkwatch is still in process. All right, that, in that process. Signal out there, though. All right, the the signal has been sent. We'll see if we get Holiday at some point this week to liven up the uh, playoff discussion. Good morning, everybody. It is a happy check to tape victory Tuesday. What's up, Tony Smith? Good morning. Doing well. How, everything good? Yeah. Logs. Morning. Greetings. How are you? I'm doing good. How fun was it to watch the uh, film this week? Uh, it was good. It was good knowing that there's going to be another game. Yeah. That's the best part. Right, right. Season's not over. Um, we asked uh, folks coming out of the game who they thought the player of the game was. Who do you think the player of the game was this uh, Saturday night? Uh, great question. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of options. Uh, I mean, for me, it's it's Rayshon again. And not, not only because of the sack strip, there was also because he was just physical throughout the game. And if that play doesn't happen, they may not win. And so, for me, it's Rayshon Jenkins. Completely different type of approach this week you know, that the Jags are going to face. I mean, you're facing a team that was going to give you as few possessions as possible. And they were content because on that drive where he has the what turns out to be the game-winning strip sack that Josh Allen returns for a touchdown – that was already a nine-play drive, and they were only at their 35-yard line. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, it was just like you – know, Mike, you bring that up, and you got to give credit to Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans because I thought they gave a valiant effort for a, a team that was kind of like the Black Knight and Monty Python. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, they're beat up and wounded and missing a lot of guys. And, and uh, it was interesting watching pregame warm-up. None of the Titans players, for the most part, came out for warm-up at all. At all. I don't know if you guys noticed that. When you, or you're inside, no. Mike mm -hmm. and Tony. I think you're both inside, so yeah. you guys don't see that. But they weren't on the field at all. Hmm. I mean, there was a couple, like Josh Dobbs and a couple guys, and that was it. Which is, you know, odd, and it's definitely a, a different approach than past games with Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans. So he obviously had a mindset imprinted upon his players that, hey, look, Here's how we're going to do it. We're not going out there for warm-ups. We're going to just show up for regular warm-ups, and then we're going to go out there and we're going to kick their butt. Here's what we're going to do. And he gave them a game plan. And I tell you what, they did a pretty doggone good job. Oh, no, job they, they right stuck the to it. End. Sure, but what, what's the advantage of not going out there for – I think it's just a mindset. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a mindset, and it's a circle of wagons. We're in – and uh, violent uh, territory, you know, and mm -hmm. hostile territory, and we're just going to take, you know, the approach that 
we'll be out there when we got to when we got to be out there. So it's just a, it's just a mindset. And and Mike Vrabel's a mindset guy, you know. So give him credit. I thought their defense played really well. I thought the Jaguars played a little conservative compared to way the way they normally would. Mm-hmm. Offensively, and offensively yeah. and defensively, I thought the Titans did a really good job. You know, I thought they did a little bit of a departure from the way that they have been playing all year, departure from the way they played the Jaguars in the past, and that they got aggressive. And I said this last week that uh, they were going to take this game as if, hey, look, they've got nothing to lose. Why not? And their defense had been somewhat of a conservative defense. And then uh, as far as blitzing goes, they're one of the fewest blitzing teams in the league. Well, in this game, they were, they were bring guys. They didn't care. And they just said, heck, we're going to shoot all our bullets. And they did a lot of uh, blitzing on defense. They had uh, a few surprise plays. They were going to do a hook and lateral that was going to be across the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were going to do anything they could. They had could. it set up perfectly, too. I mean, that's that's a touchdown if he can get it across maybe, the field. You maybe. Know? Like, it's – they did. You know, they they brought out all the, the tricks for this game, and they should. They had two weeks to get ready for it. They – were well rested. Everything that was going on for this football team going in, and you mentioned Rayshon Jenkins as your player of the game. I, yeah, the force fumble is obviously the play of the game, right? And the outcome of that is the Jaguars win as opposed to lose, likely on Saturday night. And I think close behind that play, just an individual play in that game is another from Rayshon Jenkins. The pass defense in the end zone, where he just knocked away at the absolute last moment if that's a touchdown on Oconquo the tight yeah, end yeah I don't think they it. win yeah no doubt he stayed with that ball until the end and I think I think there's a couple guys on defense that I think really symbolize kind of this football team I, I think Rayshon Jenkins and then Foye Lucan I mean these guys are strap it up play the entire game great effort intensity gonna give you everything they have and that's that's kind of been the story of this football team, you know, fight, fight you for 60 minutes, always have confidence, never going to give up. And I think those two guys are, are paramount to some of the defensive turnaround because they had about a four or five game stretch where they weren't playing very well. And I think Rayshon's consistency, and I, I pointed him out in, on social media with the, the Jaguars Twitter account and and it was after the Kansas City game, just because that game there, I thought that he just he let everybody know, we're going to play 100 miles an hour, we're going to mm-hmm. play for 60 minutes, doesn't matter the score. And, and I made the comment that, look, I would, I would play this dog any time, and I meant it, because Rayshon Jenkins is a guy, when I watch the film, week in and week out, this is a guy that gives you everything he's got. Was this not the case last year? I'm, just, I'm not saying he was – I'm not asking about his effort necessarily, but what did you see when you watched the film – last season compared to what you're seeing from him this year? I thought year. early on was seeing very much the same thing. But then you could just kind of tell Rayshon and the team kind of lost the love of the game. I mean, for lack of a better description. I mean, that's kind of how I describe it. And look, when you have the situation that they were dealing with last year with Urban, um, getting mentally beat up, having no hope, feeling like that they were trapped – in this vortex of hell with Urban Meyer. I mean, I'm sure that uh, that's that was a very dark time for a lot of these guys. Trapped in a vortex of hell would probably not be the brightest time for anybody, I would think. So <laughs> that's a pretty descriptive way to put it. All well, right. You know, even though, you know, you hear a lot of people say, hey, it's a business, you know, and now uh, you got to be professional. It's a business. You're getting paid to do that. You, know, you still got to have passion, you know, to do this game. This is a game of passion. And the money makes it great. But at the same token, if you don't have the passion and the love of the game, it's hard to play a game like this. I think you can play other games and other sports, but football's different. All right, Logs, uh, let's go through today who played well, who needs to play better. Uh, let's look at the matchup ahead and uh, just exactly how the Jags were able to pull out what turned out to be the AFC South championship game uh, head-to-head versus the Tennessee Titans this Saturday night. What you expect from them in a uh, rematch with the L.A. Chargers after beating it by 28 the first time around. A uh, different team likely you're getting coming into Jacksonville this time, but that uh, doesn't mean the Jags can't handle them 
this week as well. If you want to get in with Jeff Lagerman today, your Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day, as it is every Tuesday, simply asking you what are your questions for Jeff Lagerman. You can hit us up at 641-1010 on the phone lines or the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures on Twitter at MD underscore 1010XL, at 1010XL Fat Tony, at Logs56, and at IME2, the T. Come on, somebody. All right, uh, we're off and rolling. It is a check the tape. Victory Tuesday. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Play fake. Rolling to the right. Trevor looks. Wants to throw it back to the left side. Fires toward the corner. The end zone. Caught for the touchdown. Christian Kirk. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday on Jaguars Today is brought to you by Famous Automotive Tire and Quick Lube, servicing every customer like they're famous on 1010XL. Oh, Trevor Lawrence had plenty of time to throw on the touchdown of Christian Kirk. Wasn't always the case yet. Uh, Trevor Lawrence only hit four times by the Tennessee pass rush, taking one sack in the game. Logs that we talk about how Tennessee wants to be physical up front, and they did a tremendous job stuffing the run, but that you know, kind of what they're known for. Right. How did the Jaguars offensive line hold up in this game? I'm thinking particularly in pass protection. Obviously, there was there were no holes in the running game. Yeah, I think that uh, – and by the way, before we get that, that play, that highlight right, right there, mm-hmm. the, the route by Christian Kirk on that was unbelievable. Uh, watching Christian Kirk play the game and watching him run routes is tremendous. Uh, the offensive line, I, I thought they got thrown around a little bit. But, you know, you've got two guys that are up front and, and Tart – and Jeffrey Simmons that I think are two of the best kind of nose-tackle-tackle combinations that there is in the 4-3 in the National Football League. Big, strong, physical. They both rush the passer pretty well. And, and, and you can tell that Sheriff is missing some of the power and the strength because of this injury that he's kind of fighting through. And uh, Fortner needs to get a little stronger Although Shatley did a pretty good job, probably the best of the three interior guys, but uh, they got to, you know, hopefully you don't face a, a pair like that. I think in the playoffs, you know, the next guy that probably can be like that is going to be Chris Jones, right? which is of the Kansas City Chiefs. But, yeah, they, they didn't do as well as you wanted to. I thought the offense was a little bit conservative kind of to start that game, probably tried to stick with trying to run it just a little bit too much, but uh, – you know, that's the way it worked. I think they just didn't want to make mistakes, you know, because they felt that it wouldn't take a lot of points to win the game. So right. they maybe were a little bit more conservative on offense. Except for a that one play that was like reverse what you, pitch. I think over that the head. I think that play, you know, first of all, I didn't like it and I said it in the broadcast and and kind of twofold. One, I thought Trevor was starting to get hot at that point. And then, They're at least moving the ball. Yeah, he's moving the ball. The field, was you right. know kind of yeah. hitting some guys, and so you're like, okay, and and so I think you know, sometimes coaches want to get a little bit fancy and and kind of do the the smart trick them kind of plays, and that was what that play was, and so I didn't really like it just because I thought Trevor was doing well, and then the play itself, Trevor was trying to it was it was the gave the appearance of an option, and so the option was Trevor pitching the ball, but he was pitching it to Agnew for like a little reverse. Mm-hmm. Well, he tries to execute it kind of no look, you know, to where he's trying to play the fake out on the front side and by not looking at the guy directly, Agnew, he's trying to sell it. I mean, for me, I'm just not a big fan of that no look stuff. Well, right. I'm Patrick Mahomes makes it look easy, but that's... And I think that because of that turnover, yeah. he kind of lost a little bit of his mojo. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a, kind of a follow-up here uh, on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Why didn't Trevor run with the ball more when no wide receiver was open? And also, how come a Titan defender seemed to be in his face as many times as he as they were? Well, in the face, especially in the second half. And that, and that was those two guys in the middle, which was Tart and Simmons. And they just kind of started to take over a little bit of that interior of the offensive line. So, give them credit. Uh, they played well. Uh, now, asking Trevor to run more. You know, he's a passer, and I think if there were opportunities for him to run a little bit more, you know, I'm all for it. But well, were the, the Titans token. trying to keep him in the pocket as much as possible? I mean, I – They did know. a good job of keeping what I call a balanced pass rush. They weren't – you know, the, the one thing that they weren't doing, they weren't getting crazy and taking 
gambles at Trevor. In other words, by maybe vacating an area and leaving a big open gap in the in the pass protection area to where Trevor can just go right up the middle or right out the side. You didn't have any of that. They did a good job of keeping a balanced pass rush. I think we've seen Brandon Sheriff here for the last three, four weeks. He's been willing to play through whatever that abdominal injury is, right? And against Houston, it wasn't a big deal because Houston doesn't have that interior kind of pass rush that really pushed him. They controlled the game against the Jets early on, so it wasn't necessarily a big deal up there, but it felt like it was a much bigger deal on Sunday that they didn't have a 100% Brandon Sheriff. Did that show up on going back and watching the game. Yeah, that's too. what I'm saying about uh, you can tell that he kind of got thrown around a little bit. And, uh, look, I give him credit. You know, he's trying to fight through it, and it's not easy to do. And I think it's, it shows great leadership. And the the next option is not going to be as good as Sheriff, you know, even though he's not 100%. When you, when you face those big – you know, the one thing that the strength of Sheriff has always been, it's his athleticism. Mm-hmm. His strength, I don't think, was ever like his main, you know, positive of his game. It was his athleticism and his ability to get out on the perimeter and move. Well, now all of a sudden you add a core injury, which a core injury for people to understand, your legs are your power. But to be able to transfer that power from your legs to your upper body is your core. Your core has to be able to keep that power through the upper body. And when you have a core injury, which the injury report says abdomen, and it's been saying that for a number of weeks, you can't transfer the power. You don't play like you're a 325-pound guy because you're losing some of that power in the transition from your legs to your upper body, and that's kind of what he's battling with. All right, uh, if you want to get in with Jeff Logman and have your own specific questions about how the Jags performed or maybe a look ahead to how they match up against the L.A. Chargers, you're welcome to do that at 641-1010 this morning on a Check the Tape Tuesday. We'll start up in Norfolk, Virginia. Kyrie checking in. Good morning, Kyrie. How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. How you guys doing? Today? Excellent. What's up? Good. Um, Jeff, I was wondering, what do you think the game plan should be to get the offense on track? Because I, I really feel like Trevor – um, to get Trevor Lawrence in rhythm, the quick pass game is a key. Like quick, like you know what happens to the, the wide receiver screen play that we usually run. Usually, when we run that play, that's a successful play. And I, I think quick passes will help get Trevor Lawrence in rhythm to where he has to do the step, the uh, the five step drop back to where he can, you know, have a rhythm and you know see the field more. What do you think about that? No, look, Kyrie, I like the quick passing game with him. I think that's something that really gets him going, and Trevor has said in the past that he likes it. And that's something I think that that he needs to be able to have, but also he needs to be able to execute because part, part of having a quick passing game is him being quick and decisive. And, uh, look, uh, he probably could have been better off in his pass game and, and been more quick and more decisive. But at the same token, look, he had some opportunities there in that ball game that he didn't that he didn't hit. You know, you got that play to Zay in the back of the end zone. You'd like for mm-hmm. him to, to hit that one. And he had a couple other opportunities in the game where he, he was just a little bit off. And, you know, but, yeah, I'm a big fan of the quick stuff. And that's really what this offense is kind of based on. I mean, that's, you know, it's a pass-first offense. And so a lot of that quick game is what they substitute for what is essentially a running game. Coming out of the Dallas game, he was red hot, obviously, Trevor Lawrence, right? He had been over 300 yards passing the last couple weeks, seven touchdowns, one pick. Last three games, one touchdown, one interception. Hasn't been as sparkling, but as some of it logs the fact that the third consecutive week, you think you're facing an offense that can't explode on you, right? And and let's play this a little bit close to the vest, like, you know, against the Texans, they had three short rushing touchdowns. Trevor maybe could have thrown three touchdowns if they had called it differently so how much of it is the game plan is kind of tempering the high-end statistics and how much of it is Trevor maybe cooled off a little bit I think it's both yeah I, th- I think it's both and I think you great you bring up a great point about the opponents and then you could probably add even the conditions in New York mm-hmm. you know to that equation as well so uh, 
And if you're Doug Peterson, I, I think that's the right approach in these three games, you know. And that Do what's necessary to win and don't yeah, worry about anything yeah, else. Yeah, take care of business and getting a win is all that matters. Now, this week's probably going to be a little bit different. Sure. You know? And I think the mindset's going to be different because they have a quarterback in Justin Herbert who can throw the ball all over the yard, and, and you've got some weaknesses in the back end of your defense. So this is going to be a challenging game. So you're going to have to ask Trevor and your offense in the passing attack to do more. And he did the first time around, 262 with three touchdowns, 115 quarterback rating as the uh, Jags cruised to victory that day. It is a different uh, version of the Chargers. Joey Bosa, for instance, went out very early in that game, presuming he'll be able to play You know, this week. Uh, Keenan Allen didn't play then. Justin right. Herbert was banged up. so They lost their left tackle in the game. Not I diminishing. Mean, Look, the Jags still ribs. went on the road, got a big early season-defining victory, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and uh, it just got to recognize it's not going to be the exact same team no, that's coming in here. It, look, if you can get Trevor to get back to that performance that he had against the Chargers, which that was one of the two games that he had, the AFC Player of the Week mm-hmm. awards, I mean, that's look, that's great. And that's you want to go be able to, to be able to be in the playoffs with a quarterback that has the ability to be hot. And if your quarterback gets hot and your defense stays opportunistic, you don't know how the hell far you can go. Sure. I mean, you never know. Right, create turnovers, and it changes everything. Uh, Steve in Mandarin is next here on Jaguars Today. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, gentlemen. It's actually Steve in Melbourne, not Mandarin. Okay. Uh, my question is for Logs. Uh, given against this offense, you're probably going to have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams this time. Uh, it seems like a good matchup for Tyson. Tyson uh, being able to kind of match size-wise and length. My concern is with Darius Williams, you know, much smaller corner, only about 5'10". I know he can keep up with them because they're not exactly burners, but, you know, give or take most of the time with 50-50 balls, this taller guy is going to win. You as a defensive coordinator in the shoes, would you every now and then, whoever is up against them, Keenan Allen or Mike Williams, maybe shade either Jenkins or uh, Cisco over just to kind of secure it a little bit? Well, I, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. And uh, I mentioned this earlier that uh, the Chargers can throw the ball all around the yard. And the Jaguars have a secondary issue. And they've been able to play the last three games with teams that aren't dynamic, okay, throwing the football. This week is going to be different. Tyson Campbell's a top ten corner in the league. He's playing like that, and so you feel good about any matchup that he has, whether it's Mike Williams or whoever. doesn't matter. You feel pretty good about it. Darius Williams, I think there's concern there. You know, he's been better since he's been moved from the nickel to the corner position, but he hasn't been tested, I don't think. And this past game, he didn't play as well as I was hoping that he would play. And you have had a nickel issue, and that's everybody knows that. So the, the challenge this week is how do you match up with the Chargers that have – one, a really good quarterback. They've got two excellent wide receivers, but then they also have some tight ends that are very involved. Look, and Josh got a Palmer's deep, good. And DeAndre Palmer's Carter good. can exactly. play. I mean, they've got a and we lot. We haven't even mentioned Austin Eckler yet. Right, Eckler got out of the backfield. I mean, they excellent. And, you know, the, the Titans were throwing so many passes in the flats. Now they're doing, you know, Jags stacking the box are getting man defense, and they're doing their little stacks and – running the little rubs and, and getting the tight end. It was so frustrating because, you know, third and four, they'd get you six, and it was just uh, like death by a thousand cuts there. <laughs> Eckler will take that, and he'll go 60. Yeah, this, this is a challenging game. I mean, it's not just because of your, your corners. I mean, that's a big part of it. But, you know, Eckler will stress linebackers, okay? The tight ends are going to stress linebackers. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a challenging game. You know, this, this is the matchup, you know, look, You've got to be on point with your offense in this game. I mean, you really do, because the Chargers' offense is going to challenge this defense in a big way. And, hey, but you never know. Stay opportunistic. All right, let's get Robert in Mandarin before we hit the break. Robert, good morning. You're on a Check the Tape Tuesday with Jeff Logman. Hey, good morning, fellas. I appreciate you all taking my call this morning. Uh, I just had a couple of concerns. Um, I've got a concern about our quarterback, uh, uh, missing some wide open throws and uh, just being a little inconsistent the last couple games and uh, then I got a concern with uh, ETN uh, taking these big old hits man he, it's a lot of great backs they, 
they uh, they roll with it or they turn left or right or get on the ground. It seems like this fella just takes them overwhelmingly. He just gets walloped every game, and I just uh, I've got a big concern about that. And well, Robert, it keeps, it keeps bouncing back up, you know, and that's the positive with ETN. So you just want to keep them, you know, getting back up. And now the quarterback, the inconsistencies, you know, I think. There's always concern about inconsistencies, but you know what? Overall, over the last what seven, eight, nine weeks, Trevor's been pretty damn good. Oh, he's been fantastic overall, so, right? Second half of the year. So, and here's the thing: when you have a quarterback that you know that has the ability to just tear up a defense, it gives your team an incredible amount of confidence, and that's what this team is playing with right now. They are playing with a supreme confidence that, hey, look, if we just do our part, we've got the man that can help us get a victory. And I think that's – you can't underestimate the importance of that. Like even the defense. You know, they're balling out in that game in Tennessee and playing hard. Were they intentionally saying, hey, we got to score ourselves because our offense can't do it? No, I think this defense was sitting there going – we got to ball out and do our part because we got a quarterback. If we get him the ball back, he's going to take it and score. He's, he showed it to us before. He's done it before. Mm-hmm. And I think that gives confidence to an entire team. All right, we'll have more with Jeff Logman coming up. More of your questions on a Check the Tape Tuesday. You can keep the phone lines burning up at 641-1010. If you'd like, uh, send them via social media or on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday is serviced by Famous Automotive Tire and Quick Lube, servicing every customer like they're famous on 1010XL. All right, this is a uh, Check the Tape Tuesday with Jeff Logman looking back on the Jaguars' 20-16 win over the Tennessee Titans to claim the AFC South crown. Uh, Logs, to follow up on our last caller there, talking about ETN taking a lot of big shots. Uh, we've all noticed that this year, right? He takes a lot of seemingly bone-crunching type hits, particularly for a guy his size, right? You'd like to see him run away from contact a little bit more. Um, It didn't look like a a tremendous shot that he took, got shoved out of bounds on a play, and it was clear on the TV broadcast he was limping a little bit uh, after that, came out for a few plays, Hasty came in, then ETN came back. Later on, you could see him kind of, it looked to me like, he was maybe stretching his lower back or his upper, you know, his yeah. his hamstrings. Someone right. Something, right? Yeah. So, um, any concern on that front? Well, I mean, yeah, but he finished the game. You know, so uh, hopefully uh, got a full week this week. Right. And then he's going to end up being fine. And he, he's, he's been one of those guys, I think, in the past where he's kind of always had a little bit of something kind of going on so far. Mm-hmm. And he's been able to deal with it. So, hopefully he's fine. My bigger concern is holding on to the ball. I mean, because that's kind of been an issue with him. I want to make sure that he holds on to that rock when he has the opportunity. But is is his style concerning? You know, the running backs have a Longevity shorter shelf wise, life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you always have. I, I think most of the times you take the approach, and I hate to say this, with running backs, that if you can get – them for the entirety of a first contract uh-huh. and maybe a couple years after that you feel good about it and then after that a lot of times not to be cruel but then you go to find your next guy uh, just because it is a position that when well, look the mileage adds up quickly at that position because they look those guys those guys take a lot of hits now etn has definitely taken more than his share compared to most running backs just because he doesn't have the ability to kind of get skinny, have, right? Get, Sometimes, yeah, get you skinny know? or kind of get on the edges yeah. of guys. And that was one of the gifts, I think, of some of the great running backs in the league, you know, of Emmett Smith and even some of the big power backs. They never took anything square. Derrick Henry has that ability. He's a big dude and he takes a lot of hits. But man, it's not very often that you see that Shaq Quarterman hit on him. Right, and he's built that he can absorb a few of those anyway, yeah, I mean, you know, more so than the typical human being. Yeah, he's so impressive. He's one of those guys that if he gets I mean, he the kept line pushing of that pile speed, yeah. Honest to goodness, I was really surprised it was 3.6 yards of carry because every time it looked like it had him stuffed for one. Now, now, they did have – you know what? The Jags did have a lot of tackles for loss and stops within a yard of the line of scrimmage, but there were enough occasions where it looked like he was going to get one yard and all of a sudden – squirts for five more and he was right. getting six like burrowing under the pile of bodies well and a, re- and a reason that that happens a lot and which was happening in this game 
you know, he he's coming downhill, so if he hits the line of scrimmage with speed, he's tough to stop. Well, mm-hmm. and there's contact made sometimes at the line of scrimmage, but, you know, if it's a defensive lineman, you've got a lineman on one side of you, you're coming off of the block and then hitting Derrick Henry and the lineman starts to push on you again. So now you're trying to stop Derrick Henry at 250, you know, and, and a 315-pound offensive yeah. lineman pushing on you. And Derrick is just going to help carry that pile another three or four yards. And that's, you know, that made it difficult. So unless you were completely off of a block and then making contact with Derrick Henry, he was going to get those yardage that you're talking about, which is about four or five yards. And, and by the way, I, I thought, you know, one guy played up, uh, played really well up front. Corey Peters, I oh, thought, played man, really well. He, but easily best game as a Yeah, he, he was the best guy up front. Devon Hamilton, I thought, played pretty well. He had a couple times there to where he didn't quite stay in this gap. And, and I think that Roy did pretty good. I think Fadakasi's got to improve his game. You know, and he's one of those guys that's been hurt, you know, and he's trying to get him back into the flow and get him consistent because he's had kind of two injuries this year to deal with. Well, I can imagine that Corey Peters' reps are going to get uh, curtailed at all, right? No, That's, you keep playing like that, right? And then they're going to keep playing. I mean, you. he had a passion uh, on Saturday really night. Really well. He, I mean, and that's that's his kind of a game, you know. I mean, he's oh, a no doubt, right? Veteran guy. He's a space eater. He's a big dude. You know, he he can't run sideline to sideline anymore, but he can run from the refrigerator to the freezer. Right. You know? so, so his impact against you know a, a lot of these offenses going forward might not be as great. Simply because it doesn't play to his strength right. as much. But um, for, for for this game, he played really well. All right. Mo in Ponta Vedra is up next here on Jaguars today. Good morning, Mo. Good morning, guys. I don't think I'm going to get any time Mo, on that. Mo, your, your phone connection is uh, unfortunate, let's say. Uh, E.T., we'll see if we can get him straightened out. We'll get him back up here in a second. Uh, Brent at the Beaches is next here on 1010XL. Hello, Brent. Hey, how you doing, guys? Yeah, uh, Jeff, I uh, I just want to ask about how you felt about uh, Aluakon. I I thought he was all over the field. I mean, every time I turned around, he was he was either making tackles or making guys avoid. And uh, I I don't, I don't know. I haven't heard his name much since we uh, since the game ended. And also, um, who's calling the defensive plays out there? Is is he calling him when he's in there? Yes, or, uh, he, he's doing? yeah, he's a green dot guy, which green dot signifies he's got the radio transmitter speaker in his helmet, so he's up front calling the plays. And and uh, look, I, I thought uh, he played okay. Uh, you know, he was physical, and that one thing about Foya is he gives you, gives you great effort, and every play is played like it's his last. And was having a conversation yesterday with a couple of the folks down at the stadium, and I I just don't know how he has the stamina. That he does. I mean, the dude plays every play 100 miles an hour, lines up, and here goes another play, 100 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I couldn't have done that unless I was Lance Armstrong blood doping back in the day. I mean, the guy's just incredible. So, did he have a great game? I don't think it was a great game. You know, he gave up the Aquano uh, touchdown to the tight end that was out of the backfield. He's lined up as a fullback. He had a, another issue in a coverage situation. And uh, but I mean overall the Derrick Henry factor I thought he did a solid job, and I love the guy again. He's one of those two guys on that defense that you know game in and game out he gives you everything he's got. But again, Foyer just has this unique ability for stamina. I'm just telling you guys I've never seen anybody that can run 50 yards on one play. Line back up again, and if he's got to run 30 yards on another play, he does without effort. I mean, without issue. His effort's impeccable. Well, and just capped off back-to-back years leading the National Football League in tackles. Uh, officially 184 on the year, four clear Nick Bolton. So, back-to-back years, Foyer Luikun, the leading tackler in the National Football League. And he's a, he's a real steady leader. You know, and that's, I think, what most of the guys appreciate about Foyer. You talk to Josh and you talk to to Rayshon, and they all talk about him. You know, and that's hard to do for a guy in his first year to walk into a new building and kind of take control of a side of a ball because you haven't been here, you know. And so that's been impressive, I think, more than anything, is his ability to step in front and lead. All right, uh E.T. got Moe's question off the air here that he was going to ask. Uh, do you think the Jaguars would consider night practices to acclimate them playing at night? Um, 
I mean, maybe towards the end of the week, you might do a walkthrough later in the day, but no. I mean, you try to keep everything as normal as possible. And the one thing I think about Doug Peterson is that the consistency is one of the reasons why the guys love him. And so you try to stay consistent. Do you want to mix it up and end up changing a guy's sleep schedule just because you want to have a practice one at mm-hmm. night because your game's at night? Not necessarily. And in my time in the league, you know, we never had a night practice you know, because the was one there thing, anything different you did during the week to prepare for a, a primetime game? No, that you can recall. No, the schedule pretty much stayed the same. Uh, the one thing that you might do is to move things back just a little bit. You know, maybe start a little bit later, but you're not going to go fully into the night. Mm-hmm. You know, the the NFLPA and the guidelines with collective bargaining limits the amount of hours you're allowed to spend in the facility. So you'd have to ask everybody to come in late. And uh, to change the entire schedule, and and I've never really known anybody that would have been in favor of that. Maybe a little bit later practice instead of a one o'clock, let's say a three o'clock practice, and move some of the meetings up that might be after practice to before. So if you're used to, I mean, particularly with the Jags, they play at one o'clock almost exclusively throughout the season. Um, what's game day like for you? What do you do differently to? Make sure you're peaking at the right time of day. Trying to sleep in as much as you can on game day and then get like a, a late breakfast brunch. I'd be really good at that. <laughs> well, some guys are, some guys aren't. And so you try to just because you want to try to keep everything calm and and uh, uh, you go into the game as rested as possible. Some guys might wake up normally because, look, their day starts early in the morning. These guys are up at 5.30, 6 o'clock and – or in there getting treatment at 6, 6.30, and then they're sometimes in the weight room by 7, getting a lift in before meetings start, and then practice. So some guys, if that's the case, and they can't sleep in, then you end up waking up normal, then you try to get a nap. Try to get a nap midday, and then, uh, you know, hit pregame meal and rock and roll. All right, uh, not quite halfway home. Got this one on the text line, designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Like to know your opinion on Trayvon Walker's play since he's been back, and I think to kind of take the back half of what they're asking here is, uh, is his playing time, does that make Arden Key play less? Should Arden Key be getting more reps based on how he's playing? I think they're all getting a good amount of reps. You you, you want to be able to rotate guys, and with uh, Smoot being inactive, there's plenty of reps to go around now with those three guys. So what? how has Walker looked to you? I thought he took a significant step forward this past game. Uh, the the previous game was against the Texans was kind of okay, and you could tell that he wasn't quite 100% with the ankle. This game, I didn't see any kind of negative effects or ill effects from the injury of the ankle. thought he was moving great. I thought he was moving with power, and he had a couple really nice pass rushes, had some really good edge sets on the outside because with Derrick Henry, the emphasis with Derrick Henry is you're trying to set a hard edge. Derek is, is at his best when he gets to the outside. Oh, yeah. And then he starts doing the stiff arms on guys like he did on Rayshon. Right. And, and you would think being a six foot three, 250 pound back getting to the outside wouldn't be a strength. You would think that it would be downhill. He's one of the best balanced perimeter backs that I've ever seen. And uh, it's just unlikely with you know the numbers, the height, weight of, of him. And uh, so Trayvon did an excellent job with some of that hard edge setting and, and got back to being physical, had a couple good pass rushes. So I thought it was a really good game for him to kind of get back on track. All right, then for the person who asked, uh, I don't know if we mentioned it yesterday. We talked about uh, Arden Key's celebration. I know we talked we about did, it off yeah, the air. At the end Fingers of the show. up oh, in the, the show air. we brought it up, right? Like he's like <laughs> like celebrating that before well, picture from before the field level. even got the sack. Yeah, like he's smiling. With yeah. his fits there. Like Actually, it's, it's, on, it's iconic is what it yesterday is. Yesterday, me and Mike Caldwell did the film room of that scoop and score play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, we do it, we draw it up, and then we take a look at it on the, on the film. And I asked Mike, so folks, you can see this coming up on the Jaguars YouTube channel. And I asked him, I said, was, was Arden celebrating with his fingers in the air? And, and so Mike's comment will be with that video clip <laughs> that you can see on YouTube. But it was funny. It's, I'm watching film. I'm like – is he trying to block a pass with number one signals in the air? No, he's actually going, yes, he we can got see this. Rayshon. Yeah, we yeah. got this. 
No doubt. All right, we are halfway home now on a Check the Tape Victory Tuesday. If you want to get in with Jeff Lagerman with your questions or concerns about the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know how to do it. 641-1010 on the phones and the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures or any of our social media channels as well. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Jeff Lockerman Tuesday on Jaguars Today is brought to you by Famous Automotive Tire and Quick Lube, servicing every customer like they're famous on 1010XL. Uh, I'm curious here on a Check the Tape Tuesday to get Jeff's answer to the next question we're going to pose to him. By the way, you can get yours in still at 641-1010, phone lines, text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures, and we'll check in on Twitter here in a moment as well. This one from the text line logs. Uh, sorry if you've already answered this, but you, you were just – Give a little backstory. We're looking at the the play, the uh, the option pitch play, and Terrell Basham was the guy. I thought it might have been a, a linebacker as defensive end, and he is upfield in the backfield, and he's going to have a chance to make a one-on-one play against Jamal Agnew. Now, will he make it? We don't know, right? But the, so anyway, that was that. Um, we're just looking at a couple of, of throws Trevor made. One where he's getting his feet almost kind of knocked out from under him, and it's an all-arm throw to Marvin Jones over the middle, a seed. I mean, just I a mean, dot, right? Laser beam. And then, of course, the one where he rolls left, throws back across the field that most quarterbacks shouldn't even contemplate attempting because that'll get picked. Probably um, probably five guys in the league that can make that throw. So in the context of what we just saw, I'm curious to hear what you have to say here. Here's the question. Does it look like to you, Logs, that Trevor has happy feet at times and that is affecting his throws? No. Yes. <laughs> he he sometimes throws off like not a an uh planted base, you know, like he he can he has that kind of quote arm talent as they like to use the phrase. Right. That throw to Marvin Jones that you're talking about. I mean, an absolute there's zero wobble on the ball. It is about as direct as a pass can be made A to B and He's getting kind of bumped from the left side. And, his and feet, stepped on by his, his lineman. Right, and his feet are kind of sliding out from under him almost, and it's just an arm whip. And uh, it's not it's not happy feet necessarily, but you don't always have time to set yourself the, the way you want to. It's not seven-on-seven seven drills. No, and, and you bring up a great point in that it's not seven-on-seven seven drills. I mean, it's the situation is, is that, look, all quarterbacks would love to be able to have – the seven-on-seven situation where they've got a perfect pocket and their feet are clean, but that's not how it works. You always have to be able to throw it from different ways, different angles. That's one of the reasons that makes Patrick Mahomes so special is that he has a unique ability to throw from any which way that he that he has to. Yeah, and that's very that's a that's a rare talent. Now, does Trevor have that type of ability? Maybe not to that extent, but the throw that we saw going across the field. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, are you really? Are you kidding me? That's yeah. phenomenal. There's maybe five quarterbacks in the league that can even think about that throw, and they all play in the AFC right now. <laughs> they, they you do. know, like yeah. it's like the AFC at the quarterback position. You look at the playoff quarterbacks this year. I mean, what? Uh, it is unbelievable the matchup potential going through the AFC playoff. Yeah, I mean, if you're an NFC team and and you can find a way to to get a quarterback. You're gonna own that conference yeah. for a Jalen while. Jalen Hurts is a good player. He's not he's Patrick not a Mahomes. Great player, you yeah. know. Does uh, Justin Fields turn into that guy? You know, I mean, he hasn't Maybe. yet. Yeah, unbelievable. All right, uh, let's uh, take a pause here. We got more questions coming in for logs, but Tony Smith going to take you around the National Football League. Now, gems around the NFL, brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin has been released from the University of Cincinnati Medical Center and transferred to a Buffalo area hospital. Dr. William Knight told reporters on Monday that Hamlin has been able to walk, is maintaining a regular diet, and has been undergoing physical and occupational therapy as he continues in his recovery. L.A. Chargers head coach Brandon Staley said yesterday that the MRI for wide receiver Mike Williams showed no fracture or muscle injury and that they expect him to be able to practice at some point this week. Miami quarterback Tua Tungavailoa still has not been cleared for any football activity and running back Raheem Mostert suffered a broken thumb on Sunday. Both of their availabilities against Buffalo this weekend are unclear. The Arizona Cardinals have fired head coach Cliff Kingsbury and general manager Steve Keim 
has officially stepped down from his position as the team's GM. Indianapolis has signed running back Deion Jackson and defensive tackle Chris Williams to one-year extensions. And Atlanta defensive coordinator Dean Pease has informed the team that he is planning on retiring from the National Football League. For the third time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Must be uh, good work or non-work. Well, he's, he can get he's, it. he's almost in his mid-70s. He's mm-hmm. been a great coach yeah. for a long time, and he actually came out of retirement because Mike Vrabel, if we're talking about Dean Pease, mm-hmm. because Mike Vrabel got the head job, and Mike asked him to, to continue to work, and so he did it as a friend. And then uh, when the guy in Atlanta, uh, what's his name, uh, head coach in Atlanta. Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith got the job. Arthur was obviously close with Dean Pease as well. And so Dean goes with him to be a, you know, as he's going to be a first-year head coach. So uh, I guess he's running out of friends that are getting new head jobs. Could be. And you know what? It's great work if he can get it again. Uh, but uh, good for him if he can take his retirement in his mid-70s there. Uh, Logs, can you give insight? to just how much the one less day of rest and coast-to-coast travel could impact the Chargers. It was last week that the Jags had the short week. Uh, This time, it's the L.A. Chargers. I think it definitely helps the Jaguars, and it's good that they're going to get a full week, and it's good that the Chargers are going to get a a shorter week. And the one thing that I think helps the Chargers a little bit is that it's a night game because most of the West Coast teams kind of have a hard time coming back to the East Coast and then playing 1 o'clock kicks because for them that's pretty early in the morning. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, look, uh, six days, seven days, uh, a, lot, a lot of that stuff is, you know, can it make a little bit of a difference? Maybe a little teeny bit for the most part, though. It's not going to have a great impact. Yeah, and I think some fans, like we're getting some on the text line right now too, looks like it could be the coldest home game in Jaguars history mm-hmm. coming yes. up this week too. Um, maybe the mid-30s by the time we get the game over with on Saturday night. I, The National Football League, I don't expect that to have really any impact on this game at all. Uh, Unless know. the wind starts blowing. I don't yeah, think 30 degrees I, I'm is going to bother people. But the cold, I think, helps you a little bit and that, you know, this team – you know, has had cold practices, has had some colder games here. Um, Chargers are a little used to definitely a, just a little bit more of a temperate climate. No I mean, doubt. it doesn't hurt. But I think when you're a football player in mid-30s, 40 degrees, it's like perfect. You yeah. know, perfect. You can play all day. You yeah. just feel like you don't get winded as much. And so I think it's a good situation to have and just have to bring the winter coach to the game if you're a fan. Uh, this one uh, question on the text line about uh, how they will deal with Austin Eckler in the passing game. Uh, their question asked specifically, would someone like Caleb on chase on play a role in that? How do you anticipate they will try to limit? Because Eckler is Eckler just set the single season record for most receptions by a Charger player, breaking Keenan Allen's record uh, for a single year. Uh, log. So how do they deal with that aspect of the offense? You know, the, the crazy thing with Eckler is that he's one of the highest rated backs as a receiver in the National Football League because he's so talented. What, a couple of years ago, he had 1,000, 1,000, right? Mm-hmm. You know, 1,000 yards receiving and 1,000 yards rushing. You know, there, there's no way, easy way to cover him just because he can be a receiver. He can be a running back. So that's a challenge from a coaching standpoint of how to treat him, how to match up with him. But uh, Mike Caldwell, I think, will do a good job. You know, credit to Mike Caldwell. He's a first-year defensive coordinator, and Jaguars start hot, and then they hit a stretch, and they're not doing great. And then he's able to get this defense refo- refocused, and I think having a quarterback that started to get hot helps the confidence factor there, as I explained earlier. But Mike Caldwell's done a very good job, and this year is, I think, a, a great learning experience from him, and he's only going to get better going forward. What? Beyond just the confidence that you can win against this Chargers team, obviously, because you've already done it this year, what beyond that can you, given who wasn't playing for the Chargers, the people that were hurt, you know, Herbert's hurt coming into that game, so he's limited to some degree in that. Bosa goes out early. Keenan Allen's not playing in that game. I just looked, you know, Austin Eckler didn't do anything in that game, basically. You know, it's how much can you take beyond we won – if you're the Jaguars, can you take from that week early season matchup? Well, I, the only thing I think that you take from it is the confidence that you won first. And secondly, you kind of have as, as a player, you have in your memory bank the experience of going against certain guys personnel-wise. Okay. Uh, some people 
obviously didn't play, so there are some guys that are going to have to maybe tune up and learn a little bit more. For example, in that game, you had uh, Rashawn Slater that got hurt in that game. You probably studied him if you were a defensive end on that side, and now you're going to have to study uh, Jamarie Saylor, or Slayler, however you pronounce his name, who is now the left tackle for them. You know, Corey Lindsay, uh, Lindsley did not play the starting center, so you're probably going to study somebody else. But the experience of going against them, their system, their personnel is always a positive. So at least it's a little bit fresh in your mind. Not so fresh that it was a couple weeks ago, but at least it was a good experience. So, uh, But, I mean, as far as the feeling, oh, yeah, we can, we're going to beat them because we beat them before. I don't think you carry that in this week. I think you feel confident that we can beat them, mm-hmm. but you don't feel like, hey, we're going to beat them no matter what. So you don't have the overconfidence. Man, again, to highlight what you're talking about, Tony, with Austin Eckler, four carries for five yards in the game and caught – Eight passes for 48 yards, six yards a catch. That is nothing. nothing. I mean, that is probably the worst game Austin Eckler's had in three years, honestly, right. without going through and looking. Um, He's a strong dude. Oh, have you, have he, you seen the, some of the stuff? Yes. Like, like how strong this dude is, yes. making weights-wise? Yeah. So, what? What did, was it just a case of the game got away from the Chargers? I mean, it was nothing-nothing going into the second quarter. Yeah, uh, well, I think it was part of that, and then also, for some reason, they were pass-happy. I don't know exactly why. Maybe because prior to that game, the Jaguars now were on a roll defensively, stopping the run. Mm-hmm. If you go back and you remember, they were one right. of the best teams yeah. in the league at stopping the run, and so maybe they were discouraged from the onset of that game about trying to run the football. Well, the Jaguars, you know, when they go to Philly after that, all of a sudden things changed a little bit, and they weren't as good at stopping the run. So... Maybe their mindset was to that, then I think the mindset will be different in this game. They held Mike Williams to one catch. He did score the touchdown for them. That was it, though. One catch for 15 yards on six targets. So he played. I just, wow. Uh, And, of course, the Jags also had James Robinson carrying Mm -hmm. it 17 times for 100, including that fourth and one burst for a touchdown for 50 yards. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there there are a lot of differences uh, potentially Coming up on well, Saturday night. You, of course, he you, had 28-point margin, too. Well, and you had, if you remember back to the game, I just pulled my notes up from that game, you had two takeaways early in that ball game. You know, the Chargers had, in the, in the first half, they had three, four, five possessions and six possessions, and you had two takeaways mm-hmm. out of those six possessions. And those two takeaways happened in the first uh, four possessions. And so, all of a sudden – the Jaguars are scoring points off of those takeaways, and then we're talking about the, the decision of them not to run the ball a whole lot with Eckler. Well, all of a sudden you feel like, oh, my gosh, we got to hurry up and score some points because it was 13 to nothing, and the Chargers probably said, well, we got we got to get going here because we got to score some points. So maybe it changed our mindset even, th- even further. Maybe it did. All right, one final segment with Jeff Logman. Still time for you to get your questions answered or your comments uh, referred to, and uh, we'll have a – uh, question of the day for Jeff as well as we return on the other side. You're listening to a Check the Tape Tuesday on Jaguars today here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday is kept running better than ever by famous automotive tire and quick loop, servicing every customer like they're famous on 1010XL. All right, Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Jeff Logman, ET. Final 15 minutes or so of Jaguars today on a check the tape victory Tuesday with Jeff here. Uh, Logs got a lot of questions still to go. Let's turn one of them into today's 10-10 take. Ten, 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 take. Now, Mike Dempsey's ten, ten, take. Brought to you by Northern Tool. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. We're made for this. All right, today's ten, ten, take. We will solicit Jeff's opinion on this particular question on Twitter from Chris. Uh, he asks about Riley Patterson. It's been really good this year, but he's noticed on kickoffs he's not forcing touchbacks. He to be fair, uh, four kickoffs this week. One went for a touchback. The other three were returned. Is that the game plan, or is he just not kicking them deep enough? Didn't we release Matthew Wright because he wasn't getting touchbacks on the kickoffs? Yeah, but there's a big difference between Matthew Wright and Patterson's leg strength. Patterson's got really good leg strength. And so I think when he wants to kick it deep, he can. Uh, the reality is, is that if you can end up having a really – 
high kick that ends up right around the goal line or around the one or the two, and you feel good about your coverage teams, the opportunity to get the opponent inside the 25 for starting field position is big, especially uh, like a game against Tennessee to where they run the ball, field position is everything. Yeah. So I think that that's part of the game plan to where they want him to kick it high and uh, right in that range to where they can force the opponent to bring the ball out and get an opportunity at a tackle inside the 25. And it may be a really small chance, but it at least creates the chance of a turnover, right? Sure. Like, like if you're kicking it into the end zone every time, there's nothing wrong with that no. necessarily, but you're giving yourself an opportunity to maybe create field position and at least there's the chance that you create a turnover on that play too. Now there's the chance you get the big return. So you got to be confident in right. making that kind of decision. All but. three of the returns went past the 25-yard yeah. line, but not much. Like the 32, I think, was I the think, furthest yeah, they brought one Yeah, one was like 26, mm-hmm. another one's 32. Mm-hmm. I thought, though, the Jaguars' special teams were were outstanding. In a, in a game in which the Titans were hoping that their special teams would be a difference maker because they needed it, the Jaguars' special teams won that battle. You know, Logan Cook was exceptional with his punts. The returns, obviously, of Jamal Agnew, one big punt return, one big kick return, were significant in that ball game. You know, they were very aggressive with Jamal. If he was three, four yards deep, you know, and what I think is really unique is Jamal has a great job of timing the catch when he's moving forward. If you watch a lot of kick returners on kicks, kick kickoff return, they catch it and then they take off. Jamal stays back and then catches it while he's running forward and is hitting the catch with speed. Mm-hmm. So he's gaining yards instantly, and that's that's hard to do. A lot of guys got to worry about catching the ball and securing it before they take off. And him to have that ability is unique. And, uh, and I know that you never really want to talk about next year at this point in the season, but, you know, I hope they can find a way to keep him because he's been a valuable tool on special teams, and also he's been kind of a little bit of an X factor on offense. Well, he's under contract for next year. Is he? Yep, and his cap hit is only about a half million more than it is this year. It's just a little under six million bucks, so he'll be around. And that's not cheap for a guy like that, no? No, it's not cheap, uh, but he's – He's got value Makes, all I mean, over he's a yeah. Pro Bowl-level returner. He's shown yeah. that in his career. Uh, a couple more here he's, for you, uh, Logs. Just real quick, Mike, the uh, PFF has ranking kick returners. They do a an overall you know, punt and kick return. And then mm-hmm. if you wanted to break it down individually, you can break it down to just punts or just kicks. Overall, he's considered the second-best returner in the National Football League. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, yeah. you know, he's – been that for several years been that kind of guy uh from craig on twitter why are we not using snoop connor more in between the tackles i'd like to see a power run element in the playoffs well he hadn't earned it i mean when you earn it you get play time and i think the coaches don't quite trust him yet and i'm not saying that that's a negative it's just that he hasn't earned the right you've got earned it how in practice yeah in practice that's where if you're snoop connor and you're a rookie you've got to earn it in the preseason you've got to earn it in practice and the thing that's kind of been surprising is that he's been active but yet he has no role on special teams Mm -hmm. and uh which is odd right I mean if you've got a backup running back I mean you've got to contribute on special teams but when he's been active he hasn't been playing on special teams so you know you got you got to earn the right to play all right um two-part question here how far do you think the Jags can go in the playoffs? And how far ahead of schedule are they if you feel like they are? Well, they're definitely ahead of schedule. I was thinking that this team could get to, you know seven wins this year and you were hoping that they were trending in the right direction at the end of the season. Let me ask you, though. Are they ahead of schedule from where you thought they would be at the beginning of the year? Or are they ahead of schedule compared to what you thought when Trevor was drafted? Like, when Trevor was drafted, I thought – they won't win a bunch of games the first year, but I thought they would contend for at least a wild card spot in year two. I think we revised our expectations downward after, after that last rookie, year. Right, after last year. So, based on where you thought they would be when they drafted Trevor Lawrence, right? Do you think they're on schedule or ahead of schedule or what? At that, if you know, based on the expectations at that moment, on schedule. That's but, what I think, too. Absolutely. Right, but so then, they fell behind, and now they've caught back up. 
is how I look at it. They totally fell behind last year, and so, which makes, in my opinion, the job that Doug did this year an argument for coach of the year. Oh, absolutely. I don't and, think anybody disagrees with you. And uh, to be able to install a new system with any quarterback, even though it's one that was considered to be the next great talent at that position, it's still a tremendous job. And to be able to get this team focused and and also the fashion in which they were able to do that, winning games at the end to get in, was a tremendous job of leadership. And, and Doug Peterson can't be congratulated and – and, uh, uh, you know, given all the accolades, in my opinion, he deserves every bit of it. And speaking of Doug Peterson, the, the Jags don't have a roster with much playoff experience, right? It's sparse as far as the players on this roster. So the Chargers, with Keenan Allen having been around as long as he has been, some of the, the Khalil Max, like those guys, they've at least have guys that have experienced the playoffs more than the Jaguars have. But clearly, at coach... Right, Doug Peterson's been through this over and over and over in a matchup with Staley on the other sideline. You can feel about him however you want to feel. How does the coaching advantage you may feel like the Jaguars have manifest itself on Saturday night? Oh, I think it makes a, a big difference. And Staley's viewed as one of the bright guys when it comes to analytics and all that kind of stuff. But uh, you know, he was under some criticism this past week for the decision to play a lot of players in a meaningless game. Uh, I think Doug Peterson in that situation would have pulled some guys and said no, just like he did in the Texans game mm -hmm, at the mm -hmm. end of the game. Like, hey, okay, we feel good about where we're at. Take some guys out. But I, I don't think there's any doubt, Tony, and you bring up a great point about how important it is to have somebody in the leadership role that's been there and done that. And Doug Peterson has been there and, dug that, and done that. So when he says something, ears listen. A lot of times when you have a guy who may not have been there and done that and has a Super Bowl ring, you might have an ear that's not quite as listening. All right, so how far can they go? That's the other half of the question. When you got a quarterback uh, in an opportunistic defense, I don't think there's any limit that you can put on a team like right. that. Right, if, if you get your quarterback hot to where he that's was a few key. weeks ago. If, if Trevor um, gets hot, look out. Logs, where are we going to catch you this week? Got Jaguars happy hour on Thursday and also the Coaches Show Thursday, Jaguars All Access with Josh Allen and guests to be determined on Thursday. We will also have the Jags Wired this week, which we will break down the film with Mike Caldwell on the Scoop and Score play. Outdoor show Saturday, kickoff at 5 o'clock, I think, pregame start. So looking forward to all of it. All right, Logs, have a great uh, few days. We'll talk to you on Saturday. Thank you, guys. There you go. Jeff Logman out the door and his former teammate coming in with XL Primetime. Now, the two-minute drill, brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL talking with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Big Sirs, how you doing? What's going on? Tell us. Hey, hey uh, let me chime in real quick here. Leon, have, you need to start doing voice work, man. A voice over. Like radio voiceover, voice uh, work. The, the thing that he did for the beginning of the game was was awesome. Yeah. I appreciate Fantastic. that. Fantastic. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. That's whatever I was going to be what I was going to ask you. Is there another well, had, one coming? Had, oh, well, no, it's not another one coming, but there was, there was a lot of motivation behind that video because they were, they were, play, they were actually playing the game in front of me. I was watching, and I was getting pissed <laughs> off while I was watching it. So I, I just took all that energy. From the game back, from the game, way back, way back then. 99? Yes, you know. <laughs> I took it, and I just imposed my will on that video. So that was me poured into my art, so to say. Oh, I, I loved it. Crazy fired up. Yeah, it was, man. Loved it, was, it. it was fun doing it, too. It was yeah. fun. It was very lot of fun. So, uh, Sirs, what do you got cooking today? Well, um, we're going to talk about that atrocity that we had to watch last mm. night called the championship game. Yeah, I, that's, that's what the clicker's for. I didn't have to watch that. <laughs> you know what? By the third, the middle of the third quarter, I was watching Everybody Loves Raymond on Peacock. Were you? Yeah. Yeah. I was doing a radio show. It was on behind me. I don't know what, you know. Saw the score. Yeah. I, I kind of figured it was going to be that way. Yeah. I don't know if anybody figured it was going to be quite that yeah, way. Yeah. Well, no, no. I mean, come on now. I mean, they... they Georgia, like, kicked them off their big wheel and stole their bikes. Yeah, that's, that's what they did. They yeah. did, but, you know, you always you try to, you know, envision what could happen. TCU beat Michigan, who beat Ohio State, who hung with Georgia. You know, so you try to think, could they do that? But uh, well, matchups make fights. Well, Mike, I'm going to ask you a question, Mike. When you was low, did anybody ever take your lunch money? Uh, no. No, ever. 
No, I never had, honestly. You've never had one bigger than you run up on you there, there was, and say, give me your usually lunch Usually I was the biggest kid in class. Okay. I mean, well, I was when, I was eight, when I was eight years old, I had like a 13-year-old dick on me. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm that's, not. That's know. what it felt like yesterday. But when I got older, I got them back. Granted. Right. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. If they had, I would have been plotting for years. I would have exacted my revenge, too. Now, I Look, I had plenty of indignities, uh, but the lunch money one wasn't one of them well, back in the that's day. That's what it felt like yesterday. We used to get w- w- milk for a dime when I was a kid. In uh, Milk for a dime. Milk milk was a dime. Friday was pizza day for me. So Friday I, was always pizza day. extra 50 cent, I will get me an extra slice. That, that's why you I, get that rectangular yeah, one? Yeah, it's the rectangular it's one. It's great. I love that rectangle pizza. Loved it. I loved it. And then when I moved to Florida, they had uh, we could get hot and you know, buttered rolls and you know who for like, yeah, yeah. like 50 cents or and something. And you know who we called the lady that gave us the extra pizza? We called her tight lady. How come? Because she tightened you up? She tightened you up. Tight lady. Tight lady. Yeah, tight lady. Give me an extra slice <laughs> got of pizza. tight. Oh, trust me. Uh, you know, probably a lot of – yeah, when I was a kid, I was the biggest kid in class. So, okay. So, you know, that was uh, – uh, I got you. But, you know, I was eight. I was big where I used to have to walk past – the middle school. Ah, okay, and, sure. And then you had to walk past the middle school mm. to get your Oh, I had a few school. kids chase me home. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> you know, yeah, but yeah. Uh, now, usually kept my lunch money, so uh, for whatever reason. Uh, all right, hey, sirs, have a great show Appreciate today. Appreciate it, thank you. Wanted to get into, no doubt, uh, Jaguar legends coming out of our ears around these parts. Jeff Logman out the door, Leon Searcy. Uh, coming on in tomorrow, Donovan Darius and Johnny O. We'll have D-Rock on Thursday, Atomic uh, Manis. On Friday, victory week continues, Tony Smith. Yeah, getting ready for a playoff matchup. Oh, my gosh. More and more focus on that, obviously, as we go through the week. No doubt about it. All right, uh, thanks to all of you uh, today for weighing in with your various thoughts and questions on Jaguar football. For Tony Smith, E.T., and Jeff Logman, I'm Mike Dempsey. This has been a Check the Tape Victory Tuesday on Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM.